Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Sports Medicine Update, a weekly podcast. I'm Jerry Lyons, and of course, we're joined by the Honorable, I love saying that, Dr. Chad Petroma. Doc, how are you? Jerry, I'm doing great. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. The sun is shining. There's a little bit of rain uh, in the forecast, but there's baseball, postseason baseball, and of course, football. We're approaching week four in the National Football League. The NBA Finals are wrapping up. LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers are looking to uh, gain another title. And of course, there's already been a champion named in the National Hockey League as far as the Stanley Cup is concerned. So the sports world is fantastic. Big Ten football around the corner. Uh, you can just say, yay. Uh, unfortunately, the weather is changing for the worst, but uh, all in all, things are going well. But the news of National Football League, you can run, but you can't hide. That, of course, the words of this pandemic that we're experiencing, that we're going through. Coronavirus, COVID-19, it has hit the National Football League. Doc, were you surprised? Were you shocked? Were you stunned that uh, with all the warning signs and the precautions that the National Football League and the Tennessee Titans tested positive for the coronavirus? Um, not really. You know, and, and I've expressed this opinion before. From my perspective, it, you know, it kind of messes up the scheduling and one thing and another, which I understand. But, uh, you know, from my perspective, this whole thing, and, and not just me, has gotten down to a high risk versus low risk people. So, you know, from my perspective, having low risk people get it who so far have not gotten sick um, is, and I want to be careful how I say this, let's just say it's not such a bad thing as long as they're not giving it to high risk people. And, you know, to tell you the truth, there's the whole herd immunity argument. The herd immunity argument is you get it spread throughout the population and you get immunity. The only thing wrong with that argument is if people get sick or die who get it. Um, and if you could hypothesize a situation where you limit the people who get it to low risk people, you know, that can be viewed as something that can, you know, help immunity like a vaccine. And when you think about it, where are you going to be able to control that? Um, well, in a bubble, right? These They can control who people are exposed to. And I don't know exactly that they're doing this, but I would expect that the NFL is making sure that the other non-players who are around are not, you know, 75-year-olds with hypertension and diabetes. So if you keep the equipment people and the business people and the maintenance people and whoever else, if you screen those people so that you have low risk people, then if you get cases here and there, um, you know, except for the logistical scheduling things, nothing significantly bad happens. And, you know, the, the disease is less likely to spread in that locker room later. But it, it, isn't it interesting? Because I was surprised and, and, and a little shocked. And I'm sure many people watching and listening to this podcast were kind of surprised when the news broke that, you know, there was a case, uh, players testing positive for, for the coronavirus, simply from the fact that we, we've seen what Major League Baseball has gone through and what they were able to do to correct the problem. We've seen and watched what the NBA uh, with the bubble down in Orlando, what they were able to do to pretty much eliminate uh, you know, any traces of it down in, in, in Florida. We know what the National Hockey League did going up to Canada, and they they had no issues. So 
it was kind of surprising to me with the NFL uh, starting, you know, just now, basically, that uh, you would expect them to take some notes, uh, make some phone calls, talk to the, you know, the, the people in place, the scientists, the doctors, whoever the case may be, and, and to make sure that, uh, that, that everything was uh, up to snuff, so to speak. Uh, how much do you factor in the traveling aspect of it? Because these teams are they're traveling. The Bears are playing the Indianapolis Colts this weekend. Um, they were down in Atlanta last weekend. So they're traveling around. Does that increase the risk of these players uh, coming in contact with someone with the virus and, and, and passing it throughout the locker room and the facility? Yeah, you know, certainly it does. And um, and the thing is, too, the nature of the sport, too. You know, it's been pointed out baseball is a basically naturally socially distanced sport, you know. And in hockey, uh, they're wearing masks, you know, a lot of them at least. And most, I guess all of them now, aren't they? Don't they mostly wear, you know. So, so well, they the have th- the helmets and then they got the, the, the visor, the right? Yeah, yeah, you know, the shield. Um, and so, um, uh you know, football more than the others, um, more than basketball, I'd argue. I mean, you know, basketball, they're closer quarters, but but not like football. So the thing is, you know, you're going to get an occasional asymptomatic transmission is not common, we don't think, but it's going to occur. And so the thing is, you know, uh, it, it you're, you're just, if you get one person getting it, in football, you're likelier to get 12 than if it were one of the other sports, I think, as okay. it happened. So let me ask this question, and, and let's bring it back home. And we talk about the uh, IHSA, Illinois High School Association, here in the state, filed, filed a lawsuit against the governor to say they had no right to, um, uh, to stop the season, uh, meaning that fall sports were moved to the spring to protect these kids. Seeing what's happening in the National Football League and the fact that there's already a team that um, uh, reportedly uh, contracted the, the, the virus, how does that look as far as the high school level is concerned? Because you talk about the varying degrees of uh, high-risk individuals. You want to protect the youth, and we do understand, doctor, you can clear it up. The younger people aren't as susceptible to this virus compared to older people and people with pre-existing conditions. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's, there's a, you know, there's philosophical differences and there's a couple of fallacies that go on here. And I agree totally with the IHSA. Um, I think before you're going to remove constitutional liberties, I think there has to be a clear and present and mortal danger. And you see what has happened and what's been bandied about Early on, people said, listen to the scientists, listen to the scientists, as I've expressed before. The original scientist who hypothesized millions of people would die was just, you know, putting it charitably, he was way off base um, and was using the wrong model. So the thing is, the the reality of it is, while it's appealing to say, listen to the experts, hey, I'm just a layman, I'm just a politician, I'm just a dad, I'm just an athlete, listen to the people that know, the reality is, Nobody knows. The experts don't know, you know, and, you know, Dr. Fauci depends if you're a Democrat or Republican. Right. You could quote him at different times. You could say Fauci says masks do no good. You could say Fauci says masks do uh, some good. 
And I, I mean, to tell you the truth, I don't think it's anything against Dr. Fauci. I think you look at it different times, you change your mind. But so here's the thing. When politicians get in the business of restricting constitutional liberties and shutting things down, unless it's abundant and clear, I think it's wrong. And nobody knows. On top of that, there was just no question. So then they say, well, geez, you know, one life lost is too much. So we got to be just draconian. But the thing is, we just know abundantly, and there's more and more data every day, that the consequences of getting rid of normal activities are significant. You know, we've discussed this before with these athletes. Say, well, you know, we don't want them on a football field. Um, but, you know, if he, whether they're pros or high school or college, if they're not playing football, they're far likelier to be getting into trouble going out with their buddies, you know? So I think, um, um, I, I think you need to let people, so for a low risk group, the real issue shouldn't be should the kids play. The kids absolutely ought to play. The issue is, and this is on the kids and on their families, just keep keep the kids away from grandpa, you know? I mean, maybe that's cool to grandpa, but it, it might save grandpa's life. So the issue isn't should they play? Of course they should play. Of course they should be in school. The issue is how do you protect the high risk people? And when you start shutting down the kids, you, you just make matters worse. So we've been through this before and I think everybody knows it, whether it's suicide or drug things or, you know, people being unwilling to get medical care because of the, you know, the pandemic. So, so, so they, they got to play. I think I'm sure the governor's well-intended, but honestly, I don't know. It's been a very, I think these governors all of a sudden say, Hey, wow, you know, I've got dictatorial powers if I want to use them. And I don't think they do. I think it's a bad thing. I, not saying he doesn't mean, I don't know the man, Governor Pritzker. I, you know, I'm yeah. sure he, well, I'm sure he wants to help people, but I think it's wrong to, to do those kinds of things. But doesn't this work in his favor when he says, hey, look, I understand. We all want to see the kids play. We want to see, and the big argument are the seniors in their final year, especially, you know, fall sports. And they're missing that opportunity to showcase their talent set and skill level on the high school highest level one last time. They won't get an opportunity to really present themselves to college and universities around the country for particular you know, scholarships. I know there's a story that was uh, circulating regarding a uh, Hispanic gentleman in, 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 in high school in, in the city. And he was his goal is to make it to Northwestern on a soccer scholarship. But because the sport is taken away and pushed into the fall, I mean, the spring, he feels that that is going to hurt him um, to get right. that scholarship. Right. Uh, but if you're the if you're the governor and you look at the National Football League and say these guys have millions of dollars, these are high priced athletes, skilled athletes, and they're taking every measure to to be safe, yet there's a there's a team, a franchise that players have come down with the virus. I don't want to run that risk for high schools and conferences through the state. And he said, when you look at the co comparison between states, just look up north of the border of Wisconsin and how the numbers are, are going up since August. So if you're the governor, can't you use that as a uh, sort of defense mechanism and say, listen, I have your best interests at heart. No, I don't want to put you in position 
that may come back and haunt you. I understand the rationale and you articulated it well. And as I said, I'm sure he means well, but no, there's several things wrong with that argument. Um, the one is um, that the, the risk to the kids is almost zero. So what you do, as I said, during the football season, if the kids get it, the kids get it. It's, it's not gonna matter. And there are consequences to depriving sports that are far greater. Let them play. If they get it, they get it. But you've got to make sure, um, you know, that they're just not around grandpa that much. Or maybe grandpa goes and lives with somebody else if he's in the household. Or if the kid has no choice but to be around grandpa a lot, then maybe that kid doesn't play. But it isn't about the kid getting it. It's not bad for the kids to get it. It, it just it just really isn't. The incidence of problems are almost no. This is how we get immunity to everything. This is what happens with the flu and everything else. This is how it's supposed to happen. It's just the high risk people. The other thing, think about this a little bit too. You bring up the scholarship athlete and that's a great argument, but think about this. And I don't know, I might be a little bit out of date, but you know, I used to spend when I was younger, a lot of time dealing with high school, college programs and I'm serving as team physician doing all kinds of stuff. Um, and I remember well, and I think it's probably still like this, although I'm a little out of date, Clementi High School in the city. So Clementi High School is in a, a an area, it's a, you know, it's a, not an affluent area. And uh, there's gangs all over the city. I don't know if Clementi's any better or any worse than any other place, but Clementi just all, you know, it's per, per their namesake, Roberto Clementi, right? But, but, but Clementi always had, uh, probably still do, I'm just a little bit out of date now, out of touch, but always had a terrific baseball team. And I can't think it was the name of a coach there, a terrific coach. So the argument went and the argument still goes that one of the best ways to keep kids out of gangs is to get them involved in sports, have them doing something. So fine, so you say, or if it's football, so you say, fine, well, young man, you can't play football. So what's gonna happen? Aren't more of those kids gonna wind up, you know, doing, being in gangs or doing bad stuff? So the, the scholarship athlete you bring up, absolutely. But for every scholarship athlete who has a realistic chance at a scholarship, there's 30 kids who aren't gonna get scholarships but that sport provides structure. You know, the coaches are surrogate parents. Often, as you know, a lot of the households, probably most of them, you know, there aren't, if, if it's not a two-parent household or if it is, the, you know, parents are working, right? So, so the, the, the depriving the kids of sports has real consequences. It results in real health consequences, other consequences. So um, when the only danger to the kids playing, realistically speaking, is spreading it to other high-risk people. What you should do is address the spread issue and let the kids play. You know, that's very well said, and you're right. Clemente, um, in the city, uh, uh, near West Side, so to speak, south, well, on the border, so to speak, but uh, in the Pilsen neighborhood, I believe it is. And, you know, uh, COVID has affected that community as well as all the communities around the city, the state, and this country of ours, but in the impoverished neighborhoods and in the black and brown communities, um, you're absolutely right. Sports is a way to escape from reality, so to speak, and that's why I think many athletes uh, take it to the highest level. Even the great Michael Jordan, LeBron James, all of them said sports is a way for them to get away from reality, so to speak, and this is the same thing for these kids. Um, it's an outlet for them. Unfortunately, with the pandemic, 
it's 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 really thrust them into the real world. And uh, the sad thing about it is, Doc, is the fact that once uh, they leave that that playing field, that running track, or the volleyball court, or whatever the case may be, they're still in danger just from getting from the school to home because of the environment that they live in. And so now you throw in COVID and it's, it's, it's a really, really uh, a big challenge for these young uh, student athletes. So uh, I can hear what you're saying and I can see what those who are say, uh, also saying that, hey, you know, let the kids play because if you don't, you might have a much bigger issue on your hands. And it's, uh, it is an unfortunate situation. And I, I would probably be one of those parents to say, hey, wait, a minute. if I lived in those communities, I go, wait a minute, you know, we have drugs and gangs in the community and they're gunfired every single day in our community. Yet my kid walked to school, participates and gets home. So now you're trying to say with a pandemic, we have to be careful. That doesn't make, if I'm that parent in that community, I'm saying that doesn't make sense to me because there are more dangers, ongoing dangers prior to the pandemic that that we live with every single day. Yeah. So I, yeah. Absolutely. I, and I'll tell you something. So I went to New Trier High School and my kids went to New Trier. So you don't get, you know, it's one of the most affluent communities in the country. Right. And um, and it's funny. So, you know, and it, it's it's a strange thing being up there because these are households that have everything by and large. And yet, you know, it's kind of like they talk about in our country, there are disease diseases of affluence, right? So, you know, being poor and hungry is bad, but people are sicker. I mean, if you're starving, it's bad, right? But the diseases of affluence, you know, obesity and all that um, are, are have turned out to be equally bad. Well, you know, which I didn't, my, you know, father was a, accountant whatnot and so we had a comfortable home we were not rich um i mean i'm still not you know there's, there's people in our community that just lots of money and, and and so you would think that wow you know they want for nothing and everything will be great but you find that there are social diseases of affluence as well and you know being kind of idle and having too much so the point i'm getting at is i remember even when i went there 100 years ago um um, and I speak firsthand a little more then, um, you know, there were kids then who were um, affluent, um, you know, a lot of drugs, right? Kids had money for drugs back then, you know. Um, I mean, I was there in the 60s. It's like yeah, marijuana was every place, whatnot. But but here's my point. There on those teams, there was a level of structure and a level of discipline. So, you know, no sympathy for those people. Right. But. People are people. And what I'm saying is that in every community, rich or poor, um, sports, um, the structure it provides, I think is beneficial to kids. No, I, 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 I got my kids involved in sports. And, and of course, you did, too. And I, I try to share that with other family members, you know, nieces and nephews, um, because I think sports is it's 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 a great teacher. Um, it's a great teacher. It's a great babysitter. It's a great employer. Uh, it, it, it teaches you everything, in my opinion, uh, what, everything you're going to need to get through life. Uh, builds character, uh, discipline, structure, 
it, 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 it teaches you how to get back up when you lose, when you Absolutely. fall down. Yeah. Uh, and, and in our society, I think people who don't uh, engage in some type of extracurricular activity or sports, they, they lose that. And I think you can attribute part of that to people having uh, anxiety issues or, you know, uh, anger issues because they didn't participate in sport. Hence, they never learned how to, you know, to channel that, how to take that energy and put it back into whatever particular activity they were involved in. And so I, I, I strongly uh, recommend and, 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 and uh, encourage uh, people to get their kids involved with sports because it's something that's going to be with them for years. And uh, it's only going to be beneficial as opposed to a detriment to the health and the growth of, of each and every individual that partake in it. That's just my pers personal perspective on Right. On and you know, Jerry, you, you bring up about the, uh, actually, I did not know about the lawsuit. Um, but, you know, I mentioned before, I knew there were kids in Pennsylvania who were saying, let us play, let us play. And they're protesting, right? So, you know, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. You can be fired up about social justice, and and that's a good thing. I mean, out in the '60s, when I was in school, you know, Vietnam, all this kind of stuff, right? It's you know, all kinds of stuff, worthwhile stuff. But so, I, I think it's good for kids to care enough about something to to really go out and get after it and challenge the established norms. And like with the Big Ten, don't just say. Because these guys said that, you know, challenge them. Good things happen. So I think it's it's good training for that, too. I, so I'm glad they're doing that. And I'm sure you know it probably came from the parents one way or another. It's all good, I think. Sure. One, one last thing regarding, uh, uh, you know, the, the pandemic and, and COVID. We're already hearing talks, Dr. Chapajomas, about the second phase of COVID hitting. Obviously, we're, we're in the midst of the, the start of the, the flu season. But now we're starting to hear the second phase, which we've heard for months leading in, of coronavirus hitting. How do you think, do you think that that, that is the case? And if so, how do you think it's going to affect uh, the world of sports moving forward? So I'd say, I'm glad you bring it up because it's an interesting thing. The question is, what exactly are you looking at? Um, and again, you know, politically, honestly, there's a lot of, there's, there's half full people and there's half empty people. And an awful lot of it depends upon your predeterminations beforehand, sadly. But let me say this. Um, it, it, the thing that matters is hospitalizations. It isn't cases. And, you know, it's obviously deaths, but, but it's hospitalizations are what matter. Getting cases, you know, without hospitalization, and hospitalizations are going down. So the second uh, phase, um, <clears throat> look, there's going to be bad things that are going to happen no matter what. There are bad things that happen in the flu season. There's all kinds of, you know, but but um, I don't think. Um, I don't think the second phase is going to be nearly as bad for several reasons, as many people say it is. One of them is that, you know, people are just not getting as sick. And you can argue as to why. There are people who think the virus is mutating to a less um, severe form. Um, but, you know, there are other things. Um, we know a lot more now about treatment, and we have treatment. We know um, the, the, the mix of people in the cases is different, right? We know now about protecting old people. 
So don't tell me how many cases there are. Tell me who's getting the cases. So 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 I think that um, and, you know, we're going to have a vaccine, I think, um, pretty soon. And, you know, I, I've come to think and I wasn't really sure I've come to think. Um, the, the vaccine, I think, cannot help but be a plus. The only question is how big a plus. But from everything that I have read, the antibody response, the, the T cell response, which at least one of the vaccines is uh, measuring, has been good. Um, and I have not seen anything indicating that anything terrible is happening um, from it. So I, I think the second phase, uh, have to be careful, don't get me wrong, um, but I think the thought that it's going to be a recurrence of what we had before is just clearly not even close to being true. Well, I don't know if that's the case or not, doctor, um, but I, I do know that there have been reports, and I believe it's Florida, and the governor is a DeSantis down there. I, I believe he said that the second phase is already here, and it's hit them hard, and it's up to over 10% as far as the, uh, the rate of increase regarding the coronavirus, and it's overwhelming their hospitals already in the early stages of the second phase. So I, I don't, these are, are, are reports that are coming out. Um, I, 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 I just know what I hear and I know what I, what I, what I share with you. Um, so I don't know like you or anyone else um, if the second phase is here and if it is and when it comes, if it does come, how much of an impact it's going to have on the community. Well, I, tell you, society. I, I will double check. But I've been trying to watch it fairly closely, and I don't think other more cases, yes, but um, overwhelm the hospital system. Um, I, 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 I don't think that's occurring. I don't think it's occurring any place, and I don't think it's going to occur because the, pe- the people that get it aren't as sick. And, you know, and DeSantis was, you know, their, their death rate is still, last I looked, about a third of what New York's was because they have tried to protect older people and the young people the young people don't get hospitalized you know so i don't um i i think there's zero chance that i mean hospitals didn't get overwhelmed the first time you know with all the projections um you know the the administration went out and got you know they making the javits center in new york into a hospital and the boat came in and they got respirators the, the hospital system didn't get overwhelmed the first time i don't think there's any chance it's going to happen this time well, I hope you're right, and I hope that we are on top of this thing, and I hope we can definitely um, get through the flu season, and we have this uh, coronavirus, you know, under under as much control as we possibly can. But you know, the important thing I I believe is to uh, everyone continue to stay safe, wear your mask when you're out and about, wash your hands, and of course, you know, practice social distancing. That's the the in my opinion, the best and safest way to make sure that, you know, you don't run into any issues. Uh, Doc, it's, it's always a pleasure. And uh, one thing I did want to, 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 to mention and ask you, um, and maybe we can elaborate uh, moving forward uh, for next week, but we t- talked about the high schools and IHSA and the parents uh, filing a lawsuit against the state of Illinois and uh, Governor Pritzker because they want to play this fall. Um, athletes on a high school level and in the youth programs you know when we were coming up there are a lot of three sport athletes but um there's been some 
arguments or some cases where some people feel that, hey, if I if my kid specializes in baseball, I want them playing baseball all year round. We know that there are AAU programs all around the country where kids are playing basketball all around. What are your thoughts on uh, a young kid playing sports, one sport all year round, 